The Truth News Network. When nostalgia is memories of restaurants, concerts, walks on the mall. When the good old days include being able to sneeze at Home Depot. When breathing free is a crime against humanity. You need a real leader. One who's focused on the truth. And his name is Dan Newman. I don't know about this leadership thing. But I can confirm what Pete Moss just said about... um, Finding the Truth, somebody who does that. That's what we do here at TNN Live and at truthnewsnet.org. And I want to thank you for joining us today and every day, Monday through Friday, from 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Of course, anytime around the clock you want to get some more information and catch up on some of the biggest stories in the news, you can always go to www.truthnewsnet.org and... Um, We post at least one big story there every day, Monday through Sunday. Actually, it's a seven days a week normally thing. And a big feature, our our most read offering of um, all time since truthnewsnet.org started is our Saturday edition of Bullet Points. And if you haven't been uh, looking in on Saturday, let me me just tell you, you ought to to do it. It it goes public, the story. Um, It's published at 1.45 a.m early Saturday morning. Now, I'm not saying stay up or or stay up late or get up early to catch it right at 1.45, but I'm telling you, early in the morning on Saturday, whenever early is for you on Saturday, some people it's 6 or 7, some people it's 9 or 10 or 11. Saturdays are supposed to be um, easy days, days where you can catch up and get some extra Zs, right? Whenever you get up. If you want to make sure you didn't miss any of the big stories in that week, Monday through even Saturday morning, what you do is go to bullet points and we pick usually 10 to 15 of the top stories of the week. And uh, we'll we'll put there by that bullet point for each of these stories, uh, we'll put two or three descriptive sentences just describing what's in the story. If it's something you want more information about, at the end of that description, there's a blue arrow. That's a hyperlink. If you click on that hyperlink, it takes you right to the full story. And if you already know all about it or you don't want any info, just go to the next bullet point. It's a great way to start your weekend. And uh, it's it's a great way to make sure you didn't miss any of the good stuff that if you missed it and you found out later, uh, sometimes you get a little bit upset because something big happened and you didn't know about it. But what about Thursdays? Well, we find ourselves in a Thursday right now. I want to get to um, some of the radioactive fallout after the elections on uh, Tuesday, especially those up in the Northeast, in um, Virginia, and in New Jersey. But before we do there, you know, back in early September, President Biden dropped a good bomb on the American working people, and that was he was going to roll out through OSHA, the Occupational Department of the Labor Department of the U.S. government, a rule that will require every employer in the United States, even private employers who have 100 or more employees, would require every employer to require that every employee either gets a COVID-19 vaccination or applies for an exemption or is required to weekly 
if you don't get vaccinated to take COVID-19 tests. Now, in addition to that, there are some other restrictions which include those that are unvaxxed would have to continually wear masks. So, we've been waiting for OSHA to put that rule out so we could look and see what's in it. Well, it's not formally been published yet. The rule hasn't. But what we were able to get our little greasy hands on was the draft of the OSHA rule. And um, it'll take just a few minutes to read it all to you. A few minutes. 490 pages is the draft version of this OSHA rule. So let me make it easy for you. What we're going to do is we'll, as soon as this show is over, we'll put up a specific story at truthnewsnet.org, and it really won't be a story. All we'll do is we'll post the OSHA rule, the one that they've um, put in draft format. We're going to post it at truthnewsnet.org in PDF format. So you can click on it, and uh, you can do with whatever you want to do with it. You can read it right there, or you can download it and keep it. But uh, we're going to dig into a little bit of the synopsis of us now so you can kind of get an idea of what we're facing. The deadline on this, it was supposed to be November, and then it was December, but now the Biden administration has pushed it back to January 1st, and it's not just one rule. Are you ready for this? They didn't warn us about this. I'll get to the second rule in just a minute. By January 1st, uh, 4th, the first rule is issued by OSHA, and it covers companies with 100 or more employees. And that's going to apply to an estimated 84 million workers. Companies must ensure their workers are either fully vaxxed by January 4th or that they take a test negative for COVID-19 at least once weekly. The rule will take effect as soon as it's published in the Federal Register. Now I'm going to give you the rest of the synopsis of what's in it, and then I'm going to come back to that. The rule and its publishing. Workers have got to get paid time off to go get vaccinated. Employers don't have to pay for the testing. Unvaxxed people must wear masks. And so here's the second thing that I told you we circle back to. Healthcare workers do not have the testing option under a separate rule. And this one's not published by OSHA. It comes from CMS, which is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. This is the bureaucratic branch of the federal government that makes all the rules about everything from the top regarding health care in the United States. They're the entity that controls Medicare and Medicaid and puts out all of what's allowable, all of the coding, more than 150,000 medical codes that's a uniform process, and everybody in healthcare follows those codes. I wasn't expecting this, but healthcare workers, not just pr- uh, private hospital healthcare workers or government entity me- uh, healthcare um, entities, all healthcare workers. There's going to be a rule for them. 17 million healthcare workers must be vaccinated by the same deadline, January 4th. But there's a difference there. These healthcare workers have no option 
for weekly testing instead of getting vaxxed. The rule covers all employees, clinical and non-clinical, about 76,000 healthcare facilities from coast to coast. And here's the kicker. Anybody that takes healthcare reimbursement in the form of Medicare payments from the government or Medicaid, you've got to be vaxxed. Everybody in that facility. Earlier, Biden had ordered federal workers and contractors to be vaxxed with no testing option. Federal workers now have until the 22nd of this month to get the shots, while federal contractors have that same January 4th deadline. Now, let me just put this in context to you. Uh, there is much pushback going on from, I can't, I can't even imagine how many entities, how many people, I mean, everybody from hospitals, uh, labor unions, people from every level you can only imagine are making major pushbacks against this. Now, let me, let me tell you the things that I can see coming down the pike that might be a uh, kind of a thorn in the flesh of this whole process. There is going to be massive non-compliance with these. When I say massive, I'm going to say from every type of pushback you can expect, including physical pushback on this. Do you really think it's going to go there, Dan? Have you seen what's been happening in Europe? Well, maybe you haven't because our media over here won't cover it. In the streets of major cities across Europe, in countries like France, as an example, where they have instigated these vaccine and mask mandates, folks, people are going to arms. I mean, physical encounters, fighting. I mean, horrible things where cops are beating people up and dragging them down streets, even in Australia. And they're doing it because governments are doing what Joe Biden is doing with this very thing. And the people in those countries, now keep in mind, these are not citizens of the United States of America, which is the number one representative republic with the least government power structure than any other country on earth. That's happening over there where the government has much more power than our government has, at least right now. It's going to be ugly, folks. I'm telling you this, it is going to be absolutely ugly when this whole thing's rolled back. So guess what the federal government says? In, the, in this OSHA rule thing, they're telling us that enforcement of the rules will largely fall to companies themselves with only a couple of thousand state and federal OSHA inspectors across the nation. Think about that, 50 states. We're talking about 76,000 locations of just healthcare institutions that are going to be part of this. We only have a couple of thousand state and federal OSHA inspectors nationwide to make sure this is being done properly. There's no mechanism for checking up on millions of workplaces to see whether they're in fact keeping vax and testing records. Rather, OSHA inspectors are mostly going to respond to employee complaints and add COVID-related inspections to their to-do list 
when they're already on site somewhere. Here's the big thing that the Biden administration is relying on. Employers who violate the rule can face fines of up to $13,653 per violation for serious violations, 10 times that for willful or repeated violations. And there's another step that some states will have to take before the Vaxxer test rule takes effect. 21 states in Puerto Rico have OSHA-approved state plans that govern workplace safety. Within 30 days, those states must enact rules of their own that are at least as effective as the federal rule. Last month, the Labor Department threatened to revoke the state plans of three of those states, Arizona, South Carolina, and Utah, that had not yet adopted an emergency rule issued by OSHA in June aimed at protecting healthcare workers. While those same states and others, they could just delay the implementation of the federal Vaxxer test rule, employers there got to decide to move forward on their own. Interesting. You just heard the whole explanation. (laughs) But folks, just as is the case with everything that comes out of the federal government, You haven't heard anything yet. This is going to be the most egregious, the most hotly contested, and it's going to instigate the largest pushback against the federal government that is going to be in all 50 states, in all territories, and it's going to be ugly. I'm telling you now, people will go to the streets over this. Don't think, uh, I mean, what we saw on Tuesday, what we've seen in the pushback around the nation so far against government overreach, it will not compare in any way to what is going to happen and what we're going to see. In major cities, the ones where all of the horrible in the street fighting, violence, terrorism, crime, it's only going to ramp up exponentially because of this. You're going to see major companies. I mean, you think there was a big pullout when Obama and Biden moved into power in 2008 when they were starting to begin their egregious actions that were penalizing corporations and they all just shuttered their operations in the U.S. and moved down. You think you've seen a a lot of that before? Wait till you see what big companies are going to do here. Now, Dan, you may ask, why would these officers and stockholders in these big companies, if they're great patriots and they're in for supporting our free and fair government, why would they even think about moving all of those jobs out of the country? They won't be able to get workers. Folks, don't think everybody are going to be sheeple and just listen to this and read this and say, oh, oh, okay, I'm in just because the government says it. They're pushing the line to see how far Americans are willing to go in giving up our individuality and our freedoms. And I think this, as every day, more and more actual data and information leaks out to the general public that says these vaccines are nothing like they have been portrayed to the American people and people around the world. They're nothing like that at all. They are not medicine. 
They're manipulated. They're manufactured, and they're full of stuff. Even the virologists and laboratory experts across our nation are having difficulty finding out the elements that are in all three of these vaccines that have been jabbed in the arms of Americans as of today from five years old to 100 plus. Just benignly trusting our government to make sure we're taken care of. Now, how's the rest of the world handling this? Well, we don't hear about it in our mainstream media, but across the ocean in England, compulsory vaccination for elderly care home staff was already passed into law back in June. And their deadline for full vax is set for next week. With just a week to go, in England, a report claimed that 1 in 10 care home staff aren't vaccinated. Now, that's a little bit, just, you know, 10%. Well, in England, the total of that is 63,000 people. And about 13,000 have already left the healthcare sector. So, Bojo's, Boris Johnson's, his conservative government, opened a consultation in September about enforcing the same rules on the around 1.45 million staff. And while spokesmen have said the decision has not yet been finalized, kind of like our OSHA rule, insiders in the UK speaking to major British media, including The Telegraph, claim that measures are going to be introduced by March 31st. In other words, folks, we're way ahead of the UK on the vaccine mandates. The Tory party-backing newspaper, The Telegraph, said sources told them that while the consultation only closed last week, the health secretary there was leaning towards compulsory vaccination. Now, what's the difference between England and the United States in this? Let me tell you what the difference is even though their government is much more powerful and legally much more intrusive into their citizens' lives than ours, think about it. We should be the last place that would be hurriedly forcing these egregious actions, forcing Americans, all Americans, to take part in them. We should be the last place that would even consider that. England is way behind us. March of next year. Why would they be doing that? Obviously, there are some intelligent people there that know this is the biggest negative step in the history of free countries ever. Now, I'm not comparing it to Hitler's Nazi Germany exterminating a bunch of Jews. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm talking about an everyday policy that's being shoved down the throats of the citizens with no citizen understanding, acceptance, believing, no elections whatsoever. The government taking 100% unilateral authority and power to make this decision in total disregard for their popular populace. People don't matter. The government wants to do it, so we're going to do it. And the United States is doing it more aggressively, more government mandates, shoving it down your throats, major penalties. There will be jail time, I promise you. 
there will be incarceration that will end up being built into the Biden stuff surrounding this. Why? Because people, Americans, are not just going to line up and say, give me a jab. It's not going to happen. We're seeing, folks, exactly what this government is made of. It's all symbolic. It's all symbolic. There's no context of reality. There's no substance there in which people can point to and say, well, this makes sense. Everything they've told us from the very beginning about treating and preventing COVID-19 infections for all Americans, everything, everything they've told us has been a lie. Everything has been debunked. And when people like Dr. Rand Paul, United States Senator from Kentucky, MD, doctor, he comes from that professional background, you know, where you investigate, you find facts, you make decisions based upon facts, not upon political policies and procedures that some tyrant may want you to implement on the people. You do it because you know it's right. Everything that has been investigated from top to bottom proves that it's right. The efficacy is there. It's going to save lives. It's going to stop major illnesses from these infections. All of those kinds of things. That's in our rearview mirror. That's the way it was used to be done in the United States of America. Never in American medical history, we're talking about 200 plus years, folks, never has any medicine ended up in the hands of the citizens or in the arms of the citizens with as little testing as has been done by Moderna, by Pfizer, by Johnson & Johnson. It's never happened. It takes two to three years minimum in normal testing. Tens of thousands of healthcare professionals, doctors, research doctors, people from every specialty, have pushed back against this government reach into our lives without any evidence backing it up. And the latest example, today. Today, starting today, five-year-old babies are getting jabbed legally with the COVID-19 vaccine. Five years old. One of the statistics about five years old If they don't ever get anything medically in preventive measures about COVID-19, if they never get anything, they have a 99.97999% chance of not getting COVID. That's not less than 1%. That's not less than one-half of 1%, folks. That's less than one hundredth of 1%. Yet, what we're doing, what parents are doing at the guise with the overreach of the federal government today, they are jabbing or allowing medical professionals to jab their children, putting things in their bodies that we know in great part cause all kinds of adverse reactions to pretty much a huge percentage of people that take them. 
The God Squad of Healthcare in America, the CDC, here's what they say has happened regarding reactions, just the first part, negative part, of reactions to these vaccinations since January 1st. Almost 18,000 Americans have died because of not COVID, because of the vaccination and adverse reactions. 86,000 more gone to the hospital. 95,000 have checked in for urgent care. 130,000 doctor office visits. 2,700 miscarriages. Almost 9,000 heart attacks. 11,000 myocarditis and pericarditis cases. 28,000 people, just since January 1st, are permanently disabled for life because of COVID-19 vaccinations. And it's because our government, our leader in the White House, and all of his henchmen, and at the top of the heap, of course, is Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is nothing but a Napoleonic tyrant who feels like he is endowed with unalienable rights to say and do anything and everything and force Americans to listen blindly and follow his instructions. And thousands of Americans are already dead. Many of them in large part because of misinformation, medical fraud perpetrated by our government against its own people. Do you think Americans are just going to sit back and say, okay, whatever whatever you want us to do, we're going to do it. If you think that's going to happen, just turn the dial back a few weeks and just look at what happened in the state of Virginia, a very, very Democrat Party liberal state politically in which most Virginians... They trust this type of governing from the top. But look what happened. People going to school board meetings. Why? Because their kids are facing totalitarian curriculum in their classes. Public school systems teaching kids that just because of your skin color, you're automatically a racist if your skin color happens to be white. And you're hopelessly racist. Doesn't matter if you are or not, they say you are. Teaching our babies their default position is life in life is you're evil just because of your skin color. Parents going crazy, demanding this be changed. We had two kids in public schools in Loudoun County, Virginia. Two girls who were raped in school bathrooms, high school students raped by a guy who was abiding by Virginia law, this stupid law that the Virginia House of Commons or whatever the heck they call their legislature, they're a commonwealth, it's not the legislature, which is in other states that aren't commonwealths, whatever they say, made the law, and they made every public institution in the state of Virginia accommodate self-identifying transgender people top to bottom and everything to do with public life. That includes at high schools. Anybody can use an e-restroom. And so 
this boy, he was a boy, and it's a he, self-identified, he told everybody, as a girl, wants to wear a skirt to school, so he does. And what a perfect opportunity for a sexual pervert. He raped a girl in a bathroom. And the school and the school board covered it up. They covered it up because they did not want it to get out. That because of their egregious, far-left, stupid policies that turned into a law caused a girl to be raped just because of the policy, because they passed it, they were promoting it, they put it out there, and they hid it. And so they moved the kid, the raper, to another school. And guess what happened? The same thing again to another student. That's just one isolated incident. And then a second one as a result. Let me, let, me, let me give you a little prophetic word. This is not going to last, this Biden thing. It's not. Biden's not going to last. That's part one of my forecast or projection or prophecy. Whatever you want to say, it's not, a, it's not a, a prophetic word as is from the Old Testament. Not saying that at all. But what I am saying, I know the American people. I watch. I investigate. I see. I've interacted with Americans through my uh, 68 years, maybe not the first 15 years, but the rest of it, I've interacted with a bunch of Americans from different parts of the country, different cultures, different societies, different skin colors, ethnic backgrounds, all kinds of religions. A huge majority of the people in this country are sold out to the concept and the idea of freedom and justice for all equal opportunity for all, not equal everything for all. If they wanted that, they'd move to the UK, live in a socialist company. They love the idea of everybody having the right to become whatever they're willing to pay the price for and work for and earn without the government interjecting itself into their lives. That's the fundamental fiber of what burns in the hearts of most people that I've interacted with. Not everybody, but more than half. So what does that have to do with this? Do you think that a couple of hundred million people that have grown up, that have built families, they built businesses, they built lives, they built cities, they built states, they built an education system, And they've done it based upon freedom and justice for all, liberty for all, and a free market system in which a person can build businesses, can work for businesses, work for wages, can trust the government not to intervene. And in the the blink of an eye, that's been taken away from them? Do you think those 200 million or so Americans are just going to sit idly by and watch it get destroyed by Joe Biden, by Nancy Pelosi, by Chuck Schumer, and by George Soros, and whoever else besides George is writing the big checks? It's not going to happen, folks. Do you think 
there are not enough voices, the ones that are not controlled by the FCC, by the federal government, by television rules and radio rules. You don't think there are enough voices out there like this one that speak to a whole lot of people with a message that resonates with a whole lot of people? Do you think nobody is going to stand up against this stuff? If you think that Tuesday and what happened in Virginia was a message that the far left, all of those people on the far left, had better understand and realize that this is a major pushback by the bulk of the people that represent the heart of this nation. If you don't think they got it, and if they didn't get it, and they're going to continue to try to march us down this road, you wait and see what happens when this vaccine mandate gets rolled out. You're going to watch this nation come to a screeching woe at every level of operations. You're going to see trains that are just going to be stopped with no engineers, no workers on the train. You're going to see trucks sitting all over the interstate because truckers have gotten out and just left because they're not going to bow to the government and be forced to vaccinate. You're going to see ships. You think we have a lot of them sitting in L.A. and Long Beach uh, harbors and that in Houston and New Orleans. You think you see a lot of ships out there now? Wait till you see what happens. Grocery store shelves empty. Gas station tanks empty. This nation will be brought to its knees by the American people. We're not going to allow a government to shut down this country without the American people speaking. You heard it first right here, folks. Do I sound a little bit emotional? I'm not a little bit emotional. I'm very emotional. This cannot stand. We're better than this. We're better than this. And let me tell you, I guarantee you there's some of you that are listening right now that are asking the question, what can we do, Dan? What can we do about this? You can stand up. Look what the parents did in Loudoun County in Virginia. Look what they did. One, and I don't want to say little thing, but one issue. One issue alone, actually two, critical race theory in public education, which basically is teaching kids, and they've been teaching kids quietly about this before the lockdowns from pandemic. That's when parents found out because their kids were home online, they could look over their shoulders and see what their kids were being taught. Oh my gosh, they were being taught that the key to fixing racism is to adopt racism and use it as a tool against others not because there's factually anything in what you're doing but just because somebody that wants to promote racism at every level and the divisiveness that it contains and that divisiveness does what it gives a central authorized entity power over people parents push back up there because they were seeing all of that critical race theory, transgender, quote-unquote, rights. And nobody was stepping up. How do you think you're going to feel when our country is not being defended? 
We have 300,000 people in active military service right now. How many of them are walking away because they will not bow to a regime, not a government, a regime that's going to force them to receive a vaccine, they call it, but receive a jab full of stuff that nobody has been able to tell us what the ingredients, 100% of the ingredients are. Maybe they don't want to tell us. I, I would think that would be the bigger thing. We have a lot of smart people in healthcare and in medicine. Where are these people? Many of them are standing up. You've heard a bunch of them right here. Dr. Richard Fleming, Dr. McCulloch, Judy Mikovits. You've heard them right here. These are healthcare leaders. These are the people that worked some of them side by side with Anthony Fauci back in the 90s on the HIV thing. All of their discoveries in laboratories, Fauci stole. He took them. That's tyranny. What Joe Biden is trying to push down through OSHA and now the CMS is tyranny, folks. It's not government. It's not government of, by, and for the people. It's totalitarianism. And we're not going to let it stand. We are not going to let it happen. If I lose this show, if I lose my sources of income, If I lose all of that, I will stand for the rule of law, for truth and justice, for the U.S. Constitution, and I'm going to stand up for my fellow Americans who say, you are not going to take away our freedoms. You are not going to do that. We will find ways. Don't know what they are. Don't know how. We'll find ways to stop you, and we're willing to literally Go to the wall to get it done. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar too. You sample them all because the crisp is so good on your lips. You left your wallet at home. But now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. How can we say when you book direct at choicehotels.com, you always get the lowest price in our rooms, guaranteed? Let's get someone to say it with a really low voice. Carl? Lowest price, guaranteed. What about the world's lowest limbo stick? How low can you go? Nice one, Carl. Hey, I've got an idea. Just say bada book, bada boom. Bada book, bada boom. Nice. Always the lowest price, guaranteed. Book now at choicehotels.com. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda. KBB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot. With financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. 
For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image source from Kelly Blue Book. Visit kbb.com for more information. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. That's just because everybody wants more power. I'm in charge. I'm the COVID god. I'm the employment god. I'm over everything. That's what they want. Let me tell you how stupid and crazy it's gotten yesterday. Listen to what Biden attorneys did. Yesterday, they urged a federal judge not to block COVID-19 vaccine mandates that have been imposed on federal employees. They haven't been yet. And the fact that the author of this story that I'm telling you about actually said they have been imposed. They haven't been. Legally, it hasn't happened. That's why all of these lawsuits are being filed against the mandates before they're instigated to keep them from getting instigated. President Biden issued his executive orders requiring vaxes against COVID-19 for federal workers and contractors. Yada, 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 yada. Well, two dozen plaintiffs. Now, who would push back against this? Uh, Members of each military branch? Yeah. Last month, late in the month, they sued the Biden administration. They're arguing that all three orders are unconstitutional at least in part because of an apparent lack of religious accommodations. They're seeking a preliminary injunction, which would block the mandates until the case is decided. So yesterday in a 41-page response, listen to what the lawyers for the Biden folks say in that injunction. If the judge blocks it, the vaccine mandates, it would harm the public interest in slowing the spread of COVID-19 among millions of federal employees, contractors, service members, and the members of the public with whom they interact. They cited recent court rulings in similar matters, including one that found the government has a, quote, compelling interest in stemming the spread of COVID-19. Further, blocking the Pentagon mandate would adversely affect America's national security. That's what, the, that's what these people are saying. As military leaders have found COVID-19 impacts military readiness. How about thousands of people leaving the military because you're forcing them to be vaccinated and there won't be thousands of others that step up to fill their slots? Unless, of course, they just go grab an equal number of illegals that Joe Biden's administration has let in They may be COVID positive. They haven't been vaccinated. He doesn't make them get vaccinated. Novel idea. Just put them in the places of all of the people that are going to walk out of our military. The ones, you know, that did it as a profession, that wanted to be there. Captain Timothy Buchanan, who is a Coast Guard official, testified in a declaration that 39 different units in a single Coast Guard district have been crippled at least once due to COVID-19, with one vessel taken out of service for a total of 33 days. The court must give great deference to the professional military judgment of these leaders 
when it comes to what is needed to ensure military readiness. Kind of like the job that they all undertook regarding the withdrawal of our military presence after 20 years. We're going to leave the whole nation of Afghanistan, you know, the hotbed of the Taliban and ISIS. We're just going to walk away. And oh, by the way, we're not going to just walk away. We're going to leave hundreds of thousands of people there in harm's way behind enemy lines. We don't have a plan. <laughs> the Trump administration didn't give us a plan, which is a ball-faced lie. There was a plan that had been negotiated, was in writing with both the Taliban and the legal government of Afghanistan. Not only do they blow their jobs, they lie about it when they're doing it. A bunch of the plaintiffs in this case that asked for the judge to block it said they filed for religious exemptions to the mandates, but most had not seen their request processed. It. Only two were denied. The still pending requests have been effectively denied as plaintiffs were threatened with punishment, including dishonorable discharge. The request for injunction stated this. Some plaintiffs said superiors told them that no religious exemptions are going to be granted. You know what? That's not only um, mean, it's not ugly, it's unconstitutional. And the Biden administration knows it. That's why these lawyers filed, and in their pleading, they said, Your Honor, please, please don't issue an injunction while these lawsuits are pending. It's no different than whether or not there was election fraud November 2nd last year. Here's what real leaders do. First of all, they follow the facts. They're hungry for facts. They want to look for facts. And when there are allegations, serious allegations made against anything that happens on their watch, they're the first ones to stand up and say, hey, I'm an open book. Let's go ahead and investigate and make sure there was no wrongdoing. Make sure that we know what we're talking about. Make sure that the so-called experts that work with us and for us really are experts in what they're telling us in all of this is correct. Let's do that. Let's make sure we've got the truth. We've got the facts. Have you heard that come out of this president's mouth? If he really, if he really wanted to enforce the rule of law as he swore an oath to do, and all that took part and have been taking part and are taking part in his administration sworn to do, enforce the law, follow the Constitution. If they really wanted to do that, don't you think the first thing they would be doing is enforcing the law? They have no intention of enforcing our laws. Every day they are arbitrarily choosing which laws that it's okay for them not to enforce. And oh, by the way, nobody else needs to do it either. So we let in 2 million people at our southern border. Most of them, we have no idea where they are, but they're probably somewhere mingling around the nation. We don't know if they were COVID positive. We don't know if they brought in all kinds of other diseases. We don't know what all they brought in with them. We have no idea. Many of them we find out after the fact, after they're caught 
in criminal activities once they get here, we find they have previous criminal records. Some of when they were here before, before they were deported. They were deported because they perpetrated criminal acts on Americans. And it's not just one or two of those folks. It doesn't matter if it is. Our government, our government refuses to enforce federal immigration laws that were passed that some of their compadres that sit on the left side of the aisle in Congress crafted those and implemented those and a former Democrat president in many cases signed them into law and they're not enforcing them. They have no intentions to. Joe Biden, his administration, his Attorney General Merrick Garland, his Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has no intention to enforce those laws that are under their federal purview unless those laws are okay according to their personal opinions. The rule of law is gone in this administration. Absolutely gone. Now we're just we're just barely beginning to see what's going to happen over these COVID-19 vaccine mandates. There there are thousands of examples already, top to bottom. Mainstream media won't report them because they know the nation would be enraged. All 75 of CNN's viewers would get upset. And they're Democrats. I'm joking. They may have 76. Here's an example. A high school football team in L.A. They're going to miss the playoffs this year. You know why? Because not enough players are vaccinated. Fox 11 in L.A. reported that Crenshaw High School's football season ended on Sunday when the Los Angeles Unified School District vaccination guideline went into effect. High school football teams must have at least 18 players fully vaccinated for COVID-19 to compete. Crenshaw, 13 players that were vaccinated. Robert Garrett, the head coach at the school since 1988, told the TV station his staff has been encouraging players and their parents to get vaccinated. But those are individual choices, he said. Novel idea, coach. Great idea. And I have no control over that. That's also a great idea. But guess what, coach? Joe Biden will fly into the rescue. And he's going to hold these kids down. You know, the ones that they and their parents don't like the idea that they don't know what's in the vaccines. And they've seen and heard and probably have personal examples of people that have gotten really sick from vaccines and some have died. And they don't want to get vaccinated. Don't worry. Crenshaw High, they'll have a football team next year. They'll all be vaccinated, and the ones that didn't die or get really sick will be able to play in the playoffs. The TV station spoke to one parent who said it's unfair these players don't get to compete because of a federal mandate that could be unconstitutional. It should be a free choice, Layla Brown said, who's the parent. It should be a free choice if you're going to be vaccinated or not. She said there should be a testing option. Novel idea, Joe. LAUSD, that's the school system, voted in September to require students aged 12 and up 
to be fully vaccinated. Does that sound like it? Uh, it comes from a healthcare professional organization. No, it's a political decision. It's all politics, folks. It's all seizing power over even high school students, even 12-year-olds. We, we're not doctors. We're certainly not laboratory rats or investigators. We're not knowledgeable, but we are in charge. We're politicians. Shut up and sit down and roll your sleeve up, even if you're 12 years old. Students who can't show proof of vaccination won't be permitted to have in-person learning following the end of winter break on January 11th, unless they have a medical or some other kind of exemption. School board member Monica Garcia, here's what she said. This action is not about violating anybody's rights. This action is about doing our job to be able to offer public schools that children can come to and be safe. Yeah. What happened to the um, my body, my choice thing? What happened to the Fauciism? Oh, and he has so many others. But the one that he preached to us for months, you've got to be careful. You've got to socially distance. You've got to wear masks, and you should even consider double masking. You've got to be cautious. Don't interact with others until the vaccines are developed. Then, folks, OMG, everybody will be able to relax, get vaccinated, and do anything and everything and not worry about dying from COVID-19, the worst disease ever in world history, which it's not even close. Nobody wants to talk about historical perspective in this. 18 million people died from the Spanish flu here in the United States. But we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about COVID because it's on the table right now. And it's the tool that we can use to take total control of every American's life, top down. That's the way it's going to work from here on out. 12-year-olds, football teams in high school, not only not being able to compete in playoffs because of a power struggle by government, not only that, but 12-year-olds are going to be vaccinated, not because they need it, but because these people, they're spitting in the eyes of the facts These vaccinations, folks, do you have any concept of what is happening with COVID-19 in America today? Not just here, but overseas. Do you know that the highest percentage vaccinated nation on the planet, the nation of Israel, 90% vaccinated. There are people in their hospitals today in intensive care that are dying. 61% of those that are in the hospital today and 65% of those in ICU, all are fully vaxxed. And Fauci came up with a good name for that. Breakthrough infections. It's not breakthrough, folks. It's this one thing. Vaccinations aren't fixing the problem. 
Do you understand how ironic it is for Joe Biden to stand in front of a television camera? Even months ago when he still had some idea of being able to to, uh, have a conversation with people and would stand up there and talk to you about health care, talk to you about the science and demand that you follow the science and then quote people that have told him things and that makes him authorized and capable of talking truthfully and educated about the science he's telling us is the science? Do you understand how stupid that is? And yet it's happening over and over and over and over again. They are totally ignoring the scientist on this planet. Over 100,000 now of doctors, many of who are legitimate virologists and epidemiologists. Others are laboratory experts who are telling us this COVID-19 vaccine doesn't work. It's not real. It's a fake situation. And we don't know what's in the vaccines, but we are finding out every day there are elements in it that are not good for the body. They're ignoring it. They're not, they're blocking that information. You have to go to an alternate news source to find facts. And then because they're coming from a blogger or coming from um, a website that may be on one of the alternates, it's not on, you know, that great one, YouTube, that Google controls. And they're a freedom company, aren't they? (laughs) They only let truth come out on their website and on YouTube, right? No, they're in the tank. They're totalitarian. Huge percentage of Google is owned by the Chinese government. We're not getting the facts. We're digging and we're finding some of them for you, but sadly, we're not even able to get them all. Let's just pause for a second and get away from COVID-19 and the pandemic. Let's just do... Let's just do something a little bit different. I want you to hear a compilation. A compilation. And this is just several minutes. It's a, it's a group of um, Biden gaffes that we've heard from the guy who is the most powerful man on the planet politically. Anybody that serves as the president of the United States is in that role. Whether or not they're qualified In most cases, they have been. Whether or not they should be there, whether or not they were elected legally when they're there, when they take the oath of office and they're declared to be the president of the United States. He's one of those. And he is the guy at the top of the heat. Listen to your president as he shares his wisdom with us through a whole bunch of interactions with American people. When you build a charging station, it's like back in the day when my grandpa worked for the American Oil Company back in the turn of the, in the 19, 1920 in that area. They went from state to state convincing people that they put allowed them to put 20,000 gallons of gasoline under the ground. They didn't want them around. No, I'm going to answer one. I'm not going to answer Ethiopia. Let's stick on the debt so we don't confuse the American people. How are we going to get this done and so on? Well, I told you before what my neurosurgeon years ago said when I had that aneurysm. The visiting field, come walking out of the gym if you want and you may get jumped by the other team or their, their supporters. 
You may be all by yourself, the only one standing there when you watch six people jump one of our teammates. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential. I wrote the bill on the environment. Pay them more. $1.2 billion. So you go ahead and you stack spaghetti sauce at a store and in, in, in a supermarket. You control the guy or the woman who runs the run, run brings out the carts on, 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 on a forklift. What happened? You know, when I talk to all your folks out in the playground, as I joked, and so everybody knows I like kids better than people. Fortunately, they're like me. That's why maybe I like them. <laughs> Barack and I think it's a right for people to have bad health care. Is there going to become a time where you might call him old friend to old friend and ask him to open up China to the World Health Organization investigators who are trying to get to the bottom of COVID-19. Let's get something straight. We know each other well. We're not old friends. It's just pure business. And Ange walks up to me and goes, Joey, baby, grabs my cheek. And I thought the Secret Service was going to blow his head off. We have the tools. Now we just have to finish the job. With truth, pay your fair share. Just pay a decent portion of what we lay out in these, this piece of legislation. With having, providing college, I mean, providing professional education beyond 12 years. I view it as a tax cut for middle class families. A tax cut. We never have an argument when we talk about with the wealthy. This is a tax cut. It changes the lives. We have fewer democracies in the world today than we did 15 years ago. Fewer. Not more. Fewer. And global health threat, and, and a global health threat council. council. I can't uh, think of anyone better to lead this operation than, than uh, uh, Deanne uh, Chriswell of, uh, of FEMA. Uh, you know, the looks like a tornado. They don't call them that anymore. I was able to go to the private portion with 40 percent of all products coming into the United States of America on the West Coast go through uh, Los Angeles and uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? The first part of your question was I can't remember now. Should police officers, emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go? Yes and yes. Um, now we're going to get down to business here. And, uh, and uh, Ron, who am I turning this over to? The two things that concern me, one are those who just try to make this a political issue, freedom. I'm joined by the executive director of the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, Gene Soroka and, uh, and Mario, Mario Cordono. Uh, I miss, I apologize. And uh, so ultimately, uh, we've got a lot of work to do. And uh, thank you all very much. But some of the stuff, I mean, QAnon, the idea that the Democrats or the Biden is hiding people and sucking the blood of children and do no i'm serious are there people in the republican party who think we're sucking the blood out of kids no little expression time is money as one computer said if you're on the train 
And they say, Portal Bridge, you know you better make other plans. Must it be a reconciliation? What must be what? I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true and international effort to pressure. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. <sighs> Folks, that's a leader of the free world. That is a compilation of uh, some of his quote-unquote gaffes. And sadly, I've got to tell you, it's only a small compilation of Joe Biden and what he's doing and what he is saying out there. Does that sound like the guy that should be leading the strongest country on planet Earth? And I got to be honest with you, maybe we're not that country anymore. Maybe we're not. And the stark contrast between this nation from the spring when Donald Trump became president and today is unbelievable, breathtaking. If you take a few minutes and just look back, folks, you better have a trash can in your hand because you're going to vomit at our spiraling. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And My Computer Career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. I'm going to ask you to humor me for just maybe a minute. Maybe a minute. I love this song. Listen to this part of it. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I think it was 1980. In the Stone. You know, we don't hear music like this anymore in contemporary radio, um, In the Stone. What a great song. What a great album uh, by Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I needed a little bit of calming down. I think everybody listening in can relate. Mike Stevens, one of our buddies out of Texas, he dropped me a line, and uh, I want to quote him accurately. He said, Biden should have been a wrestling manager. (laughs) Mike, I'm sorry to say you may be right, but you also may be insulting wrestling managers. (laughs) 
we see some crazy things coming out of wrestle, wrestling and uh, a lot of managers who are up there making points for their um, clients. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh, I, I can't figure out who, if anybody, Joe Biden is trying to make points for. Can you? Well, let's just go back to Tuesday and share a couple of things about what happened in New Jersey and um, in Virginia. We won't, we won't stay here very long. There's still a lot of stories that are unfolding there. So as you can expect, because Terry McAuliffe lost to the upstart politician that wasn't a politician until this, um, Glenn Youngkin, for the governorship there, Democrats are pointing fingers. I know that probably doesn't surprise you. They're pointing at one another after they endured a really tough defeat in the Virginia gubernatorial race and a near miss in New Jersey. For some Democrats, the results brought on a sense of deja vu. Flashbacks back to the 2009 governor's contest in Virginia and the shellacking, as former President Obama dubbed it one year later, in the 2010 midterm elections. Americans, even in Virginia, should up, stood up and said, hey, enough's enough. Many Dems have expressed frustration at the gridlock on Capitol Hill. Terry McAuliffe, who was the losing Democrat in Virginia, and his allies pressed for the House to pass that Senate-approved bipartisan infrastructure bill months ago. And he thought if he got everybody in Congress to agree with him and got it passed, that would be his golden ticket to serve as governor again in Virginia, where he had already served two terms. But the bill was stuck, and still is, in a standoff between those in the middle of the Democrat Party and moderates who or a little bit to the left, over the broader Biden agenda. Where does the Democrat Party stand? Chaos again. That was said by one top Democratic strategist as voters were still being tallied in the New Jersey race. The Democrat Party leadership seems to revel in its tone deafness that consistently ignores voters' concerns and whose condescending elitist rhetoric and messaging is setting our party up for a catastrophic outcome in 2022 and 2024. Well, hey, the outcome on Tuesday night was a grim and painful reality check for some Democrats. Some of the Democrats say the party still hasn't been energizing the base or speaking to the right voters while they were properly communicating a solid message to the electorate. There is no such thing in the Democrat Party, in this Democrat Party, a solid message. They're all over the place. And of course, Dems, when they were pointing fingers at each other, they said President Biden has to share the blame. It's more of a failure of the party and the way we run campaigns as a whole. That's according to Democrat strategist Chuck Roca, who served as a senior advisor on the presidential campaign of Bernie Sanders, But I would put 70% of the blame on Congress, 30% on Biden. Biden has delivered, but Democrats have not done a good job making the case of what we have delivered. And in the case of Congress, they haven't delivered a GD thing. That's what Roca said. Earlier in the year, Democrats in Congress did pass that $1.9 trillion COVID rescue plan which contain money for stimulus checks that were broadly popular among the electorate. I don't think, well, I don't know anybody that offered to 
not cash their checks when they got them. You can buy some support, but you can't buy blinding, unconditional support as a politician by writing some checks. They think you can. Novel idea. Here's what they all missed, folks. It wasn't Joe Biden's fault. It wasn't Terry McAuliffe's fault that Yunkin won that election. It's because the people in Virginia were not accepting what they were being fed by this Democrat, this sycophant, this tyrant, that they had two terms with him at the head of the government in Virginia already. And the only reason he didn't run again was because he term-limited out, but their law has a loophole, and he got a chance to run for it again. Virginia said, enough's enough. We're done with that. And elected somebody new. That's what it's all about. Another person that got elected Tuesday, Virginia Lieutenant Governor-elect, Winsome is her name, W-I-N-S-O-M-E, Winsome Sears. So she got into a online back-and-forth fight yesterday with Jamil Hill after Jamil blamed white supremacy for the victory that Winsome Sears had on Tuesday night. Winsome Sears is the newly elected lieutenant governor, the first black female to win statewide election ever in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And Jamil Hill, you may remember her. She's a black sports commentator. She was with the ESPN. She got knocked out of her job there for something she said. And so here's what Jamil tweeted after the election. She did this yesterday. She said this, it's not the messaging, folks. It's not the messaging. This country simply loves white supremacy. Now put that in the context of what happened. Folks, Winsome Sears, she is the picture of everything, everybody that the Democrat Party have told us for generations We're the champions for people like this. What is a champion for the Democrat Party? What is it supposed to look like? Well, it should be a person of color. She's black. Um, It should be a woman. She's a woman, not transsexual. She is a biological female. Uh, And she's an immigrant. She has all three check marks that, according to the Democrat Party, at least the crap they've put out for generations, is they're the champions for this kind of American. But yet, here's one of their spokesperson, Jamil Hill, saying anybody that voted for her, it's because they love white supremacy. So here's what happened. It was a response from old... Winsome Sears. We beg to differ. We beg to differ. I'm telling you that what you are looking at is the American dream, Sears said during her victory speech early yesterday morning. She said this, when I joined the Marine Corps, I forgot to tell you, she's a member, former member of the U.S. military. She was a Marine. So that's another brownie point for her. Female, African-American, immigrant, 
U.S. military member. That's four in her favor that Democrats are supposed to love. She said, when I joined the Marine Corps, I was still a Jamaican. But this country had done so much for me, I was willing, willing to die for this country, she said. Now, to be honest, Hill got a lot of pushback about that white supremacist statement. White supremacy is electing the first black woman lieutenant governor? That came from the blazes Jessica O'Donnell, she tweeted. Got it. That's a lot of BS, Media Research Center's Nicholas Fondacario tweeted. Virginia just elected this powerful black woman as lieutenant governor. Her name is Winsome Sears, by the way. Which one is the Virginia Democrat governor and which one is the Republican who won an election in Virginia last night? <laughs> that was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, spokeswoman Christina Pushaw. She tweeted that mocking Virginia's current Democratic Governor Ralph Northam. In addition to the win for Sears, Virginia, by the way, also elected Jason Myers. Jason Myers is the first ever Hispanic attorney general in Virginia. Sears is an immigrant from Jamaica, as we said. Meyer's mother immigrated from Cuba. And Jamil Hill, she was just one of many of the liberal pundits that blamed white racism for Virginia election results, including a CNN segment where political analyst Kristen Powers agreed with her co-panelist Brianna Keeler that some of Youngkin's messaging was dog whistle racism. Dog whistle racism. I got to be honest with you, I didn't hear any dog whistles come, and I watched lots of those people that were running for office, not just in Virginia, but in New Jersey and other places around the country. I didn't hear a single racist dog whistle during the campaigns of any of them. Not a one. Why is it that if you're on the left politically, that it's not only acceptable, but it's expected for you to attack your opponents politically? And when you attack them, you don't have to be armed with facts. In fact, you don't have any permission to use facts to go after your political opponents. You are required, if you're a Democrat, to only use only use whatever the Democrat political talking points points are the day that you're going to do it. You're not allowed, if you're a Democrat, you're not allowed to think on your own. You've got to be part of the machine if you're going to attack a conservative. There's other news going on in the election world. The president of the New Jersey Senate, this is a great story, folks, the guy that's been there forever, ever, his name is Steve Sweeney, a longtime Garden State Democrat leader. He's um, he's trailing his Republican challenger, a guy named Edward Durr, by thousands of votes. Now listen to this. Durr. Edward Durr, this guy that's running against this entrenched politician career guy, Senator Steve Sweeney. Durr spent, listen to the, the volume of money this guy spent on it. He's doing everything he can to beat the status quo, to beat the machine in New Jersey. 
he went and borrowed some money. He had to because he came up with $153. $153 is what Durr spent on his general election campaign. $153. And he's not only winning, he's beating the you-know-what out of the longtime Democrat leader in New Jersey, Steve Sweeney, who's been the president of the Senate forever. Durr's a truck driver. He is about to complete a stunning upset of Sweeney, the longest-serving legislative leader in New Jersey history. Do you think it's because the Democrats didn't do something right and that Joe Biden must have messed up and that Chris Murphy, who almost lost his job as governor, the Democrat there, do you think he messed up? No. I'll tell you exactly what's going on there. The people of New Jersey have had it up to their wazoos with the top-down punishment that has been foisted on the New Jersey people by Governor Chris Murphy and this other Democrat Party sycophant in the New Jersey Senate, Steve Sweeney. And they simply said, we don't care how much money you spend against this upstart truck driver. We like what he had to say. And we're, we're, we're going to replace you with him. That's how we roll here. We've been awakened, the sleeping giant has awakened to what's going on. <laughs> and, and we're just going to take back our government. Novel idea, huh? We couldn't go through a major election without looking back over our shoulders at what our buddy from Louisiana, Serpenthead, James Carville, that's what his wife named him. Yeah, his wife named him Serpenthead. And, and if you've seen him, you know why she named him Serpenthead. Anyway, he weighed in on what happened in Virginia. He blamed so-called wokeness for the big Democrat Party defeat on Tuesday in Virginia. Carvel was on PBS's NewsHour. He said stupid wokeness was what went wrong for Virginia Democratic gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe, who lost to Yunkin. What went wrong is just stupid wokeness, Carvel said. Don't just look at Virginia and New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Even look at Seattle. I mean, these defund the police and all this lunacy. This take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean, people see that. And Carvel continued. He said, it's just really, it really has a suppressive effort all across the country on Democrats. Some of these people need to go to a woke detox center. <laughs> they're expressing a language that people just don't use. And there's backlash and a frustration to that. Yeah, sometimes even people that uh, don't look at the world really wrong, don't look at the world, look at our world as being one of the people and uh, think it's okay to uh, take control of people. So did you wonder, have you wondered, of course Biden was overseas when these elections happened in New Jersey and Virginia and elsewhere in the U.S. on Tuesday. He was in the air on Air Force One coming back and got in in the wee hours of yesterday morning. 
And um, he actually did He actually did something that he doesn't do very often anymore. Um, he appeared and spoke to the press and actually took some questions. So as you can imagine, uh, the media, they wanted answers from the President of the United States. What happened to the Democrat power? What happened to all those people in Virginia that they elected Joe Biden as president by 10 to 12 points over Donald Trump back in November last year? What happened to these Virginia people? Did they all lose their minds? And, of course, Biden graced the reporters, the media, with some unbelievable truths. Well, now I'll take a few questions. I'll start all the way at the end. Thank you, Mr. President. Appreciate it. Well, you're not all the way at the end, but that's okay. You're up. <laughs> Um, as leader of the Democratic Party, how much responsibility do you take for the dismal results in Virginia and beyond last night? Well, look, yesterday reminded me of uh, that one of the sacred rights we have is to be able to go out and cast our votes. And remember that we all have an obligation to accept the legitimacy of these elections. I was talking to Terry to congratulate him today. He got 600,000 more votes than any Democrat ever has gotten. We brought out every Democrat about there was more votes than ever has been cast for a Democratic incumbent. I'm not incumbent, a Democrat running for governor. And no governor in Virginia has ever won when he's of the same or he or she's the same party as a sitting president. What I do know is, I do know that people want us to get things done. They want us to get things done. And that's why I'm continuing to push very hard for the Democratic Party to move along and pass my infrastructure bill and my Build Back Better bill. I think if we look, think about what, we, what we're talking about here. People are upset and uncertain about a lot of things from COVID to school to jobs to a whole range of things and the cost of the, the, a gallon of gasoline. And so if I'm able to pass, sign in the law, my Build Back Better initiative, I'm in a position where you're going to see a lot of those things ameliorated quickly and swiftly. So, so that has to be done. Given what you said, do you take some responsibility and do you think that Terry McAuliffe would have won if your agenda had passed before Election Day? Well, uh, I think we should have, should have passed before Election Day. But I'm not sure that I would be able to have changed the number of very conservative folks who turned out in the red districts who were Trump voters. But maybe, maybe. No, I, I, I know we did, but I, we also, I was running against Donald Trump. They're really showing themselves to do really well. Come on, man. <laughs> and that last line, that last line, that was Joe Biden. He really has said that. And uh, a lot of people use that to parrot things that he says. If you missed it, here's the way he tagged that speech. They're really showing themselves to do really well. Come on, man. Come on, man. Well, you just heard it. He bears no responsibility. Um, it's, be, it's because all those people in those red districts, you know, the ones that voted for Trump, they came out in mass. 
Of course, at the top of his explanation, he did say that McAuliffe got 600,000 more votes than had any other governor in Virginia history. Nobody asked the question as a follow-up, well then, how could he lose? That meant that somebody in Virginia, more Virginians had to come out and vote for the other guy. Why do you think that is? Eh, He blamed it on everybody else. Oh, there's no proof that shows that anything about me had anything to do with the results of that election. It just, it's because of, you know, those conservatives decided to get out and vote. And they didn't vote for Terry. He didn't say anything about what Terry did, the stupidity. He didn't say anything about the fact that when he campaigned with Terry McAuliffe, the Virginians didn't take that as a plus for Terry McAuliffe. When Obama went to Virginia and campaigned with Terry McAuliffe, Virginians didn't think that was a plus for who their next governor, who they wanted to be and what they wanted that governor to do. And when Kamala Harris went, she did go, I heard. I think she was little more than a placeholder in that election. I think she's little more than a placeholder in what she's doing as Vice President of the United States. But that's a story for another day. There's still a lot of stuff out there that's important, folks, that we need to get into. And um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, New Gingrich happen to weigh in. And here's a guy that understands what it's like to be in leadership in the U.S. Congress when parties change control and things that happen that are bad and good. And he weighs in on what he thinks is ahead for us. We're less than a year away from the 2022 midterm elections. Hear what Newt had to say after this. Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It seems like every summer starts with a song. Maybe it's one we heard on the radio during our morning drive. Or maybe it was playing in the cafe we ducked into for lunch. Wherever they catch us, certain songs seem to take us away. Songs of waves and sand, of forests and hillsides, of growing up and growing old. Songs that get in our heads and make us smile as we hum them to ourselves. Songs of the sun coming up and the ragtop going down, of friends we just met, and the ones we'll have for life. Songs that define the moments, like the ones we find in Michigan, where we take our someday list and start to check things off. A day spent gliding on a sailboat, floating on a pontoon, and climbing over that next hill. A rhythm that takes us somewhere better, somewhere like pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. 
While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. Now, I've never been accused of being not nice. Try to be nice to everybody. And I am nice to everybody, but I'm not just going to uh, listen to somebody say something to me or confront me about something, making allegations that aren't truthful without saying, hey, buddy, wait a minute. You can have your opinion. We all have opinions, and we have the freedom of speech afforded us by the First Amendment to express our opinions. And it doesn't matter if somebody doesn't like what I say or what you say. They still have the right. We all do to say it. But that doesn't mean that I can't tell you, hey, wait a minute, what you're saying is not true, and give you the facts. That's what we do here. Here's something that just popped up before we go to Newt Gingrich that just popped up during the break. Um, There's another arrest in the Russia collusion investigation ongoing by federal attorney John Durham. Igor Danchenko is the third person, you may not even know this, three arrests in the Russia probe, second in a two-month span to face charges in John Durham's probe into the origins of the Russia investigation. Danchenko functioned as a source for guess who? Christopher Steele. You know, that former British spy who was paid by Hillary Clinton and the Democrat Party to examine ties, purported ties that were false between Russia and Donald Trump during the 2016 presidential campaign. That research was used by that very credible organization in the J. Edgar Hoover building in Washington, D.C., the FBI. They used to be credible. They have very little credibility left, in part at least, to what they allowed to happen in their investigation of the Russia collusion story. They did squat, folks. They did squat. Both the Steele dossier and the Durham probe are politically charged. Trump's Justice Department appointed Durham as Trump claimed the investigation of those campaign ties of his to Russia was a witch hunt and pointed to the dossier, some of which remains uncorroborated or has been discredited. And Trump said that's the evidence they used to probe. But the dossier had no role in the launching of the Trump-Russia investigation, and special counsel Robert Mueller ultimately found some questionable ties between the Trump's campaign and Russia, but none was sufficient evidence to take on anything that might even result in criminal charges. Democrats say the Durham probe is politically motivated, but the Biden administration has let it run, which I think is interesting. It was not immediately clear what charges Danchenko is facing, but it would be the third criminal action brought by Durham following the September indictment of cybersecurity lawyer accused of making a false statement to the FBI and a guilty plea last year from an FBI lawyer who admitted changing an email. So I thought I would put that out there. That's ongoing, and we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Now back to former Speaker Newt Gingrich. He was the architect, if you remember, of the GOP takeover a quarter of a century ago of the U.S. House of Representatives. 
he's predicting Republicans are headed for an electoral tsunami in 2022 that could flip four U.S. Senate seats and as many as 70 House seats out of Democrat to Republican control. In an interview yesterday, Gingrich said he believes voters spoke with an unambiguous voice that our country has shifted too far left on everything from education and the economy to policing and security, but President Biden and Vice President Harris are too weak and too woke to adjust their party's strategy. What you're faced with in Biden, Gingrich said, is somebody who clearly doesn't have the mental energy to maneuver. I mean, both Clinton and Obama were very good politicians. They're both very smart, and they had the capacity to maneuver. Kamala is so far to the left and so dumb that she can't possibly be helpful here. Now, this is Newt Gingrich talking, not me. And at the same time, every evidence we have is that President Biden is simply out of it, that he doesn't understand this stuff. And a guy who falls asleep at an international conference is probably not the guy who's going to lead you out of the wilderness. So he was asked, was Gingrich to assess the Republican Party's chances in 2022? Gingrich made a bold prediction. My personal projection is plus four in the Senate, probably between plus 40 and 70 seats in the House. I think it will be a tsunami because the Democrats can't get out of who they are. That's an interesting analysis. They can't get out of who they are. In other words, from that famous song, haters gonna hate, right? (laughs) That describes the Democrat Party. Taylor Swift, thank you for that. Biden addressed some criticism yesterday. You just heard a little bit of it, that his administration's bumpy start was to blame for Tuesday's election thumping, saying he was committed to passing his mammoth infrastructure and social welfare spending plans. Harris said she thinks Republican Glenn Youngkin, Virginia's new governor-elect, won in a fair election and deserved congratulations. Gingrich said Republicans seeking to run in 22 should study Youngkin's acceptance speech in the wee hours of Wednesday morning for the sort of messaging that Guess what it does? It appeals to the GOP base plus independence and eventually develop a new platform modeled after his own 94 contract with America. Gingrich said, I recommend everybody listen to Youngkin's acceptance speech when he really outlined a very positive vision of what they're going to do starting on day one. That's what we need. I think I would recommend that Republicans at every level spend March and April in town hall meetings listening to the American people. And then from that, develop a new contract that we can't tell you today what it would be because we owe to the American people to listen to them first. He added this, Republicans must relentlessly define the Biden Democrat agenda as big government socialism, something he said his own polling shows is deeply unpopular. We have to do to the American left what Margaret Thatcher did to the British socialists, which was basically eliminate them. They haven't been competitive in 40 years because of the work she did. We need to have the same thing here. Now, somebody who's right in the thick of all of this stuff, not what happened Tuesday, 
but what is going on in Washington in the House of Representatives and in the Senate regarding legislation. Somebody in everybody's bullseye is Joe Manchin, West Virginia Democrat in the Senate, and he kind of is the one that has all of the chits in this debacle called American government in legislation. He is a Democrat, but he is a conservative. He calls himself a moderate Democrat, as is Kristen Cinema from Arizona. So yesterday evening, Joe Manchin spoke with Brett Baer of Fox News about the implications of the governor's race in Virginia, as well as that tight New Jersey race, which has not yet formally been called. Glenn Youngkin defeated Terry McAuliffe in a neck-and-neck election that was seen by most as a referendum on Biden's policies. In New Jersey, the Democratic Governor Phil Murphy, he's projected to win by it's going to be a little bitty tiny margin against Republican Jack Chitterelli. Here's what Manchin said. I just saw it to confirm that we have a divided country. I hope it's a wake-up call for all of us, Manchin said. I'm concerned. I've been talking about our debt. I've been talking about inflation. I've been talking about the economic fallout we may have from the spending bills. Democrats should pay more heed to the immediate needs of the American people, such as rising gas prices and infrastructure, according to Manchin. He questioned, why don't we do more drilling? Why don't we do more basic production here in the United States? Why is our president over there calling on the leaders of major U.S. oil companies to reduce their production of oil? While at the same time, the president is begging OPEC to increase their production. Manchin and others are asking those questions. Manchin said, I'm not depending on OPEC. I'm not depending on other countries for energy anymore. We know how to do it here. We have the technology. We should be relying on ourselves. Novel idea, of course. Donald Trump not only felt that, not only preached that, not only promised that, but showed America what it looked like by making us for the first time in my lifetime 100% energy independent. We didn't have to rely on any foreign country for any of our energy needs up until Joe Biden took the White House. Manchin said, I'm a West Virginia Democrat, but I just don't know. I don't know where maybe I belong at times, but I believe I'm fiscally responsible, socially compassionate. And you know what? I have a lot of Democrats who feel the same as I do. I have a lot of Republicans feel the same as I do. God, can you imagine a person in government in Washington, D.C. that thinks being conservative and moderate at the same time is okay? I mean, we live in a world, we're coming out of a world where you are forced to be either far left or far right. And if you're neither, politicians take authority from God. God said he would prefer that you're lukewarm, that you're not lukewarm, that you're hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, he'll spew you out of his mouth. Democrats in Congress are repeating God. They want you to be hard, hard left. 
And Manchin added this, he respectfully disagrees with the progressive Democratic wing and their guiding philosophy. He said, this is a shame when we start this war of words. We can have a difference of opinion. The rhetoric around here has gotten so harsh and so toxic, you can't agree to disagree anymore. You can't sit down and say, okay, let's agree to just disagree. You can't do that. What scares the bejesus out of me, he said, I don't hear people saying, this is good for our country. It's more or less on both sides. It's better for my party. Or this is better for the 2022 elections. God forbid that anybody would want to craft and pass any piece of legislation in total disregard of what it meant for their political party, but in total it means, and my vote is going to be pointed at, what is best for the American people. When I was a kid, they did that, folks. They did that. If it was good for the country, we're going to pass it. Who cares if it's a Republican or Democrat cause? So the two bills that are pending still, the infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill that Joe Biden calls it his social infrastructure bill. It's full of pork, 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 pork. The latest amnesty plan proposed by Democrats, it's called Plan C, and it's in the bill. It was released yesterday. No falderal on any of the major networks about it. Nobody talked about it, but Americans need to know. So far, it is successfully distracting establishment reporters from other damaging sections of the bill that would allow an unlimited number of foreigners to buy the legal right to live and work in the United States. Did you get that? Pay a price. Not to become citizens, but to live and work in the United States. This second-class amnesty, it's being offered to illegal migrants who arrived before 2011. It would give them the ability to fly in and out of the U.S., provide them with driver's license to help them to compete against Americans for jobs that require long commutes or travel times, such as truck and delivery drivers. The Democrats are offering the non-citizenship amnesty to migrants who cannot earn enough to stay out of poverty to migrants who have already lied to federal officials, and to migrants who sneak back in after they were deported previously for little things in, in, in part. Well, because they committed cr- criminal felonies. <laughs> They're, by the way, coming back to the United States, anybody that's deported when they come back, it is a felony subject to fine and imprisonment. Federal law, you know, that thing we don't even enforce anymore. This new draft rule includes a section that bars a walk back by a future GOP administration. Did you get that? They're trying to keep any future administration from changing what they're passing or what they want to pass. The Secretary of Homeland Security may not revoke parole granted to an alien. The proposed amnesty does not include a cap. There's no top number. This means that pro-amnesty officials can turn a blind eye whenever 
any ineligible migrants ask for the parole work permits. The draft law also exempts the migrants from the capped annual inflow of legal immigrants, so denying Americans an offsetting gain if fewer legal immigrants were allowed in to compete for jobs and housing. What this proposal would do is create a dramatically larger population of people who are not on any kind of citizenship track, who are a kind of permanent subservient class, said one critic who added this, that's just bad for constitutional government. And the other side's going to say, you're right. That's why we need to get green cards for them. So that's what their political game is here. Again, remember this name. You're going to hear it bandied around in the next few weeks. Plan C. The Plan C proposal seems unlikely to survive review by the Senate's debate referee, the parliamentarian. She's the one that has the power to strike the section from the Senate bill because Democrats are trying to pass their amnesty fast-track reconciliation rules. Under those rules, Democrats need only 51 votes to pass their bill, not the usual 60 votes, but the bill can only include spending plans, not policy goals, only money. The parliamentarian has already knocked down two amnesties as improper, so the parole plan is labeled Plan C. The media coverage of this plan is helping Democrats divert the attention of the media from other massive migration, citizenship, and workforce changes hidden within Section 60003 of the bill. You want to know what's in that section? You're going to love this. Section 60003 allows millions of foreign temporary contract workers to buy green cards. Now, what do they get when they buy a green card? It it allows them to permanently live and work in the U.S., permanently. The foreigners who buy green cards via this section would be exempt from the nation's annual cap on legal immigrants and could become citizens after five years, providing they work as indentured employees for several years. Section 60003's Green Cards for Cash proposal would help CEOs hire many more subservient foreign graduates with dangled offers of eligibility to buy green cards. CEOs already have a green card workforce of at least a million foreign graduates working to eventually get their green cards at a rate of about 75000 per year. So what's the attraction for all this? Well, the attraction for the immigrants is, is very obvious. They want a chance to get in the United States and they want to circumvent You know, they want to circumvent that thing that uh, we call the rule of law. That rule of law that has massive volumes of immigration requirements, not just for citizenship, but to live and work here. Now, what our government is supposed to do, what the requirement is and what they commit they're going to do when they take their individual oaths of office is to do what's best for the American people and at the same time operate a very successfully functioning legal immigration system 
I don't know if you know this or not, but our immigration system in one year, every year, the United States allows more people to immigrate legally to the United States and become citizens more than combined number of every other country on earth. We average a minimum of a million of those people a year. People that come in that pay the price. There are tens of millions of of immigrants that have been here, generations that have been here and did it the right way, did it the legal way. What this bill is totally about is circumventing the law. They don't like the law, but they don't have the chutzpah to sit down at a table and negotiate a revision of our existing immigration laws and do it the legal way. I don't care who you are, folks. If you're in government and you're going to do anything, you got to stop this thing where we're not going to follow the law, we're not going to follow the rules, we're not going to let the American people have any input into what we do. When we are in power, when we are in office, we are just going to forget about that rule of law thing. Forget about what the people think. What we're going to do is we're going to shove down the throats of every American exactly what we want to do, the way we want to give it and make it happen. And the rest of you just sit down, be quiet, shut up. In a world gone mad, telling the truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now, or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. There's enough negative news. Too bad it's fake news. Looking on the brighter side, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And your ray of sunshine, Dan Newman. Well, have you been to the grocery store yet today? Food prices, folks, have gone to the highest level in a decade. 
Not just here, food prices across the world have risen to their highest levels in 10 years on the back of tightening supply conditions coupled with robust demand. That's according to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN. The Food Price Index, which measures world food commodity prices, surged 31% in the 12 months through October, coming in at a reading of 133.2 points, a level not seen since July of 2011. On a month-over-month basis, the index rose by 3.9 points, or 3%. Accounting for the bulk of the rise in the index were higher prices of most cereals and vegetable oils. And it's not just groceries, folks. It's not just uh, things that you get at Brookshire's or Walmart or wherever you do your shopping. It's across the board, folks. Everything, everything is going up in price. And it's because of policies that come from where? Washington, D.C., our elected officials. They're the ones that have their thumbs on the pulse of the economic conditions of the United States. Wow, what a show today. We got a little animated. Thanks for being here. We'll be back tomorrow with our special Friday edition. You have a great Thursday. Have a good one, folks. Talk to you on Friday. It's not the first time that I had the sense that something's wrong. But I'm old enough to know that things don't always work out like they should. I know you're trying.